Hello and welcome to episode 71 of The Thing About Golf, Golf Australia magazine's dogged pursuit of the answer to that seemingly simple question, why golf? Well, as he does every two weeks, John Huggan joins me on the digital blower now from the other side of the world to see if we can't add another piece to the puzzle that is the answer to our question this time with one of the game's most decorated players. Huggy, welcome. It's your turn to reveal to the listeners who we'll be hearing from today. So tell us who you've been chatting with. Well, I'm very pleased to say that um, we managed to get a hold of uh, Jose Maria Alathabal, two-time Masters champion and umptime Ryder Cup player and captain and multi-tournament winner. Um, we got him just after he received his honorary degree from the University of St Andrews. Um, he and I sat down in the University House, which is the home of the principal of the university, just up the road from the old course, um, a couple of days before the start of the Open Championship last week. Everything about what you've laid out there, Huggy, is making me green with every. Every element of that is fantastic. Mm. So I'm, I, I, And because it's been Open Week, I haven't had a chance to listen to the whole thing. I assume that that means we're going to hear a good interview, but we'll come to that in a moment. When did you first encounter Jose? You've been covering the game for a while. He was at the peak of the game 20 or 30 years ago, I suppose. When did you first encounter him? Uh, well, I first saw him um, in the flesh um, at the 1984 Amateur Championship, in which I can say that I was uh, briefly a fellow competitor. <laughs> right. um, he, he went on to win. Uh, I failed to qualify for the match play by a shot. Uh, funnily enough, he didn't remember that. <laughs> I can't imagine why. But uh, yeah, at Formby, um, he went on to win that week, um, beat Montgomery, Colin Montgomery in the final, uh, famously. And as I recall, every time I looked up and watched him, he was holding a putt. He was an incredible putter at the age of 17. He was Cameron Smith before Cameron Smith was Cameron Smith <laughs> in, mm. in in that way. Did he stand out at that point, Huggy? As a player, I suppose you look at other players differently, but did you look at him and think he's different at that time? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty obvious. He'd already won the Boys' Championship. Um, he won the Amateur that week. He would win the Youth's Championship the, the following year, and he won the Silver Medal at the Open as well. The only RNA run event that he hasn't won is the Open, um, wow. in which he was once third. But uh, as I said to him, there's still time for that, but he just laughed at that point. Um, I think, to be fair, I think his days of winning the Open are gone. Yeah, maybe, maybe. He, of course, Huggy, not through any fault of his own, everybody who was around Seve lived somewhat in Seve's shadow. And I think that's mm. particularly true of Olafarbel. Take Seve out of the game, his career would stand as amazing. But it's not something that he's in any way uh, bitter about or disappointed about is he? he is the biggest of all the Seve fans genuinely love the man oh I mean absolutely I mean uh, there would be no not even a hint of jealousy in, in anything that Jose Maria says about uh, about Seve um, not to give too much away but I, I did ask them um, if he gave Seve 10 out of 10 for for short game what would Jose Maria's rating be and he said I think he said six or eight. I think he said eight. I, I would have given him nine what? and a half. Definitely. Yeah, it's 99.75. He was, being, he was being unduly modest, I think, because um, the pair of them were incredible. I mean, can you imagine what it must have been like playing against those two in the Ryder Cup um, with those short games? I mean, it would just hack you off so much. I mean, they'd get up and down from everywhere. Not just the short games, Seve's attitude, the niggling, and Seve's personality mm. was somewhat confrontational, but with a smile on his face. No wonder he drove Azinger mad. Uh, two, yeah. two more obvious and dogged opponents that have never been born apart from, from, than those two. They were, uh, they were made for each other. Is he a deep thinker about the game, Jose? Yes. Um, yeah. 
once you get them, uh, I've actually asked him for, you know, interviews and chats over the years. And sometimes he says no, which is absolutely fine. I've never had a problem with people saying no if they don't want to do something. But he's the sort of guy where if he if he commits to something, he absolutely does it 100%. I mean, he, he, he thinks about the answers. And just in mean, this, this interview we're talking about, um, I mean, he had a packed day. I mean, he was at a rehearsal for the ceremony in the morning. He did the ceremony in the Younger Hall, where famously Bobby Jones made his speech back in 1958. Uh, he had to go to some garden party thing after that. Then he had to sit down with me. Then he had a dinner at night. So he did it all. We fitted me in between all of wow. that. And, and he was terrific. Um, as I say, once once he says yes to something, he really means yes. He loves it. Surprisingly, Huggy, the interview we did with you was probably the most interesting of all of those things that he attended that day. I can't imagine. Well, that would be a horrible way well, to live, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, hang on a minute. Yeah, my, my wife's going to listen to this because uh, my wife works for the University of St. Andrews, and she actually stood up at the ceremony and made the speech to introduce him. Oh, wow. Um, before he made his own speech up on the stage there, yes. So, and, and a very good job she did as well. well I was about to say, you know, Dad, she did a bang-up job and didn't ask you to write it for her. Comes a point in a player's career, a player like Olafar, where I think they probably enjoy the reflection. Did you get that sense that he was enjoying the reflection and the opportunity to go back over things with you? Yeah, I think that there's a sense of that with him um, in that, I think when you're in the midst of doing whatever you're doing, uh, you don't spend a lot of time reflecting on exactly what's going on. But afterwards, yeah, I think he, he's he's a I think he's without being arrogant in any way. I mean, far from it. He's he's aware of how much he's achieved and and where he's come from. I mean, from very humble background. Um, his dad was the greenkeeper. His grandfather was the greenkeeper. His mum worked at the golf club. He was born um, the day before uh, the day after the golf course opened that he played on as a kid. So he, he literally lived on the golf course as a child. It's a fabulous story. We should turn it over to Jose to tell it himself. Been fabulous to have you introduce it, Huggy. And I, like the rest of the listeners, I'm champing at the bit to have a listen. Again, haven't had the opportunity because it's open week, but it's on my list of things to do in the near future. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. My guest today is uh, certainly one of my favourite players and one of my favourite people in golf, Jose Maria Alathabal, all the way from Spain, where... We're actually here in St Andrews where he's um, <clears throat> he's just been awarded an honorary degree from the University of St Andrews. So we're expecting some very intelligent answers today on the podcast. Uh, but as I say, I always start with the same question. What is the thing about golf for you, Jose? Well, I don't think it's just one thing. I think it's a bunch of things. Uh, obviously, uh, the uncertainty uh, of it. Uh, the challenge that uh, it represents every time you tee off, it doesn't matter how good you're hitting the ball, you might uh, be there for a surprise. Um, and then a lot of things. I mean, it's a sport that um, you can play uh, with players of different levels. Yeah. You can play with family members. Uh, you can play with your granddad, your grandson. Um, I mean, you can play nine holes and have a lot of fun. Um, you are in... in Close contact with nature. Uh, you see a lot of things, birds, uh, you know, yeah, animals, yeah, rabbits, yeah. deers. You're painting a good picture. Well, yeah. I mean, well, that's the good positive part yeah, of it, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Uh, the it game drives of you crazy as well. Correct. <laughs> that is true. I mean, it's very frustrating. We all know about that. Uh, and it's a combination of all those things together that I think uh, uh, makes the game of golf so interesting and so appealing. 
I mean, this is a bit of a cliche when it comes to you. I mean, it's been said many times that people say they're, they're born to play golf, but you really were. I mean, tell us the story that the, the golf course you, you know, you grew up on was opened the day before you were born, literally. Yes, correct. I mean, my, my parents live in the farm. Uh, but they, they didn't own the farm. They own, the farm was owned by, by the landlord. And, um, you know, uh, they decided to build a golf course. And the only condition was that uh, the families that worked the land would have a job uh, when the golf course was uh, built. So, funny enough, my mom uh, put the flag on the first nine holes, uh, February 4th, '66. And I was born the following day. So my house actually was surrounded by golf holes. I had the first tee, uh, the ninth green, the putting green, and the tenth tee surrounding uh, my house uh, in less than uh, 40 yards. Yeah, so it was your playground then? Yes, correct. And, and luckily enough, in those days, I have to say that golf was played by wealthy people in Spain, uh, but they played at the weekends. Uh, so from Monday to Friday, virtually the golf course was empty, and uh, well, I I had a lot of fun uh, playing on my own. Yeah, so there was no real golf culture, even no. in your family or even in the area, was no, there? No, 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 uh, no, nobody. Actually, when I started playing golf, I I grip uh, the club left-handed, even though I hit the ball right-handed. Well, with left below right, Correct. everybody does that. Correct. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that's how I started. Nobody uh, told me how how to grip the club. And uh, when I was uh, seven, six, seven years old, uh, obviously uh, we had um, uh, teachers uh, at the club and they were the ones that told me that uh, I should grip the other way around. So it was, uh, it was a difficult time because uh, whenever, oh, they were, yeah, correct, they, whenever they were turning their back on me, you know, yeah, I went I would, back, back yeah, yeah. To, the, yeah. to the comfortable zone. Uh, when did it become apparent, um, not just to you, that there was some talent there? I mean, you go beyond. The, you, go, you start with the enthusiasm, yeah. don't you? And then you then you suddenly think, oh, I'm I, I'm beating other people, sort of thing. Well, I would say maybe when I was uh, fifteen, sixteen. Right. I would as say. late as that. Yeah. Well, I mean, before that, I didn't play all that many events. Um, uh, whenever I played, it was just for fun. I had a great time. Uh, but then, uh, once I turned fourteen, uh, I had some good results, and I got into uh, the boys' team. Uh, uh, and that's how I started to compete against uh, international players. And uh, when I was, well, 15, 16, I started to, to play international events. And the scoring and the results were, well, were pretty good, I have to say. And uh, uh, Well, you, you mean you excelled at every level yes, as an amateur on the world? Correct, correct, yeah. correct, that is true. And uh, when I was uh, 17, 18, uh, it was the first time I... I had in mind that, you know, why not try to turn professional one day and and play golf uh, as a living uh, because I love the game and, uh, and the scorings and the results were good. I thought, well, maybe, you know, I have a chance of, oh, well, of doing well. I, I can confirm that. I mean, my first memory of you was the, the amateur at Formby. All right. Um, I, I'm sure you remember I didn't <laughs> yes. qualify by a shot. I'm sure that stuck with your memory. Um, but that, I remember watching you play a fair bit that week, and man, you hold every putt you looked at. I mean, it was incredible. Yeah. Well, I have to say that the first match I almost lost. I was, uh, if I remember properly, I was uh, 
two down, I think, and three to play, and went into a playoff and and, and uh, won that match. And from then on, it's true that uh, everything uh, well clicked, and I started playing really well. And as you said, I hold parts from everywhere. Uh, yeah, I mean, every and everything. time I looked up, you were holding a puck. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yes, I remember playing with uh, with Monty uh, the final, and I did all kind of things to him. Uh, I apologize uh, now, but because uh, he was I, very good. Yeah, yeah, he played really well that day. But I chipped in twice. I think I hold pads from everywhere, and on top of that, uh, I don't remember if it was the twelve four uh, part four with a big mount behind the green and we couldn't see the flag and he hit a second shot really good um, and the crowds went crazy. I mean, I knew that the ball was really, really yeah, close yeah, to the hole, but we couldn't see the surface of the green. So I went after him and I hit my second shot and, and the crowds went also, you know, really wild. And I thought, I thought, okay, well, that must be close too. So by the time we got to the green, there was only one ball that you could see on the green, and mine was in the holes. So. Yeah. Have you talked to him much about that game since? Yeah, well, I mean, he, no, no. He always reminds me of that uh, day. You know, he, whenever he has the, the chance, he says uh, that day you did all kind of tricks. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that, I mean, that was just a prelude to. I mean, the the thing that stood out that week was your putting, but your your short game is, is the thing that um, if people say, you know, what's the first thing you think of with you other than winning two Masters, it, it's the short game. I mean, where, how did that develop and where, where does that come from? It, it developed uh, by need, I have to say. I was, uh, when I was a little boy, uh, I was a skinny kid, uh, not tall, couldn't hit the ball far. Uh, everybody hit it farther than me. So I struggled at times to get uh, par fours in two. And, uh, well, it was just a, a sheer need. Uh, I needed to score low. Uh, and uh, in most of the times, uh, as I said, I couldn't reach the par fours uh, in two. So I, I was forced to, to chip and putt well uh, to be able to, to compete against my, the kids of my age. On the other end of the scale, um, you're driving uh, has never, <laughs> you're laughing already, um, has never lived up to your short game, shall we say. I mean, I've got this memory of watching you on the range at Wentworth with John Jacobs yes. teaching you or giving you a lesson. And he's, you put the ball on the, on the tee in the ground and then and look at him and he would walk forward and make the tee higher. And tee the ball higher. And you would look at him and you'd, you'd want to tee yeah, it. You well, would tee it, and then you would hit the shot off the high tee, but then you would then tee it lower for the next one, and he would walk forward and yeah. tee it higher again. And it was you were so stubborn about it. Well, I was stubborn in, in the sense that, you know, I, I wanted to to hit a shot um, that gave me the best chance to hit fairways. So I was just right. surviving, yeah, uh, right. period. Yeah. As simple so as you were that. thinking more, get correct. the ball in play. Get, get the ball in play. Even if you have to neck it out. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Because after that, I knew the rest of the game was, you know, was okay. You know, I don't play and short game was good. So if I, I, if I could manage to hit the ball onto the fairway, uh, you know, that was a, a great start for me. 
Um, before we move on to from the amateur stuff, I mean, you're, you won the boys, the youths, the amateur, and the silver medal at the Open. Obviously, the the, the only R and A event that you didn't win was the is the Open. Yeah, so far, you? so far at least. <laughs> but um, run me through that. I mean, that you know, you must have been thinking to yourself, I can't I mean. If there was any doubt about turning professional, that was dispelled, I'm sure, by that yes, stage. By, yeah. yeah, by that yeah. time, yeah. I had it uh, clear in my mind that uh, I was going to give it a try as a professional, for sure. Uh, that was uh, when I was 18. Um, uh, yes, especially because of those results. and uh, Playing international events, uh, playing with players from all over Europe, um, I managed to do, to do well. So I decided then that it would be well silly of me at least not to try yeah. so i talked to my parents and uh, they were they were reluctant i uh, have to say really uh, yes yes yeah well i mean well they didn't understand golf is that correct yeah. i mean correct my my father you know greenkeeper uh, my mom used to work uh, at the clubhouse they they didn't envision myself uh, Earning a living playing golf because they didn't they didn't, yeah, they they didn't think correct yeah. they, co- mm. they, did, they didn't think that that would be possible. Yeah. So we got to an agreement. Uh, they said to me, "Okay, you finish your studies. Once you finish your studies, you just give it a try. You give it a try for whatever two or three years, and, and then we will see." And, and that's what happened. Yeah, I turned professional in '85 when I was 19. I went to uh, to the school at La Manga. Um, I earned my card uh, for the following season at the European Tour in those days, and that's where everything started. Yeah, I remember you mentioned '85. I remember. Um, I think you've told me this story before of your epic journey to Royal Dornoch. Oh my God! To um, to defend your amateur, but yes. you, you hadn't touched a club for about three weeks because Correct. of exams or something. Yeah. Correct. That's that's the story. Yes, uh, I had to do some exa- exams, and, and they were the last chance for me to pass. So uh, I had to make those. So I studied for three weeks, didn't touch a club. And then <laughs> to go to Royal Dornock, it felt like one of the longest trips in, in, in my whole life. <laughs> well, run me through. I remember you said you were sort of standing there in the middle of the night waiting for a bus yeah, or something. Correct. Yeah. So uh, we landed in London. And then obviously I was traveling with the, with the Spanish Federation. So they organized a train from London all the way to Inverness. Uh, to Inverness. Yep. Correct. So I jumped in the train. My English uh, was quite poor in those days. So I asked somebody if that was the right train, and and they said yes, yes. Uh, But obviously, you know, jumped in the train. The train took off, and, you know, two hours passed, four hours passed, five hours passed, and I'm thinking, where am I I going? (laughs) Is it that far? So I kept on asking people and they, they kept on saying, yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're okay, you're okay. Yeah. But it got to a point where virtually there was nobody on that train. Right, yeah. So finally we got uh, to Inverness and uh, I dropped, it was a tiny little station and I, get off the tr- I got off the train and I said, well, I mean, I didn't have a phone or anything to right. call a taxi yeah. or yeah. whatever. Uh, I, I asked the, the train guy, uh, you know, if there was any transportation. And he said, yes, yes, don't you worry. A bus 
will come by right. and it will take you uh, to Toronto. Right. All right, fine. So I waited, I waited. I, well, I waited for another 45 minutes an hour and I'm thinking, well, this cannot be, cannot <laughs> be right. <laughs> it was like 12.30 at night. <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, But it's still light, right. I have yeah. to say. In June, of course. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. still light. So finally, a bus arrived, took me to the uh, golf club mm-hmm. and amazingly there was a lady there yeah. that actually took care of me and said yes yes we were waiting uh, for you and you have to go to to this place and everything is arranged and uh that was my trip and i shot uh no, you, got, you got blown away in the weather correct mm-hmm. oh i shot 86 mm-hmm. the first day i remember that yeah. 68 the yeah. second day yeah, to, miss, <laughs> to, be, to yeah. miss the cat by one yeah. Yeah. yeah it was yeah it was quite a wind yeah yeah i was i got the right half of the draw that week i was i was off early all morning, right so okay I, we were around before I, i'm sitting in the clubhouse <laughs> going oh yeah, yeah come on oh, yeah. That, and that um uh, Heather, uh, no, no, Heather, uh, the course, the course. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that was brutal on that yeah, golf course. My yeah, yeah, goodness, yeah. I mean, it was it was either fairway or lost ball. Yes, and I lost a few. Yeah, well, didn't we all? Didn't we all? Uh, was that your last time there? Have you ever been, have you been no, back to Donald? I know, I no. haven't. No, you should. It's, yeah. well, it's a wonderful golf yeah. course, but uh, anyway, um, you've turned pro. Um, at what point did did your English kick in? I mean, your English is obviously very good, and I know you obviously your Spanish is speak, and you speak Italian as well, I believe. Well, yeah, I a mean, bit, Italian you and can Spanish, get by. yeah, yeah, yeah you can get by. Yeah, quite similar. Yeah. Well, English. I mean, I think it's just uh, you know uh, because we travel around the world. Right. Um, so. You know, English is is the, the language that but no formal lessons. You just pick. No, no, no. Well, I mean, I had some lessons uh, when I was at a school, right? Obviously, for. Or whatever, a couple of years or so, but but it was more, you know, uh, grammatical, you know, how to write and yeah, all that, yeah. not so much uh, uh, listening and understanding. And I took uh, uh, some private lessons, uh, and funny enough, the, the teacher was, he, he wasn't concerned about me uh, learning how to write properly. He said, okay, you're going to travel around the world, Let's see if we can. Well, verbal was correct. Very important. Correct. Yeah. So, uh, let's see if we can manage um, to understand what somebody's yeah. telling you. Yeah, yeah. So, what he did was he he used to put uh, music tapes, and then he would run the tape back and forth, back and forth until I. I, yeah, it took and, correct. Yeah. So yeah. that that's how I, you know, I improve my English. Yeah. yeah and obviously, me, and obviously, uh, you know, using it uh, when traveling around the world. Yeah. Did um, the wonderful Sergio Gomez, who's sadly no yeah. longer with us, um, wonderful man, um, did he teach you a bit? Of, his English was very good as well. I mean, yeah, did, like, he, did, did you have times where he would make you speak English? Or no, not really. No? no, not really. But his English was very good because when he was. Uh, a teenage boy, uh, uh, his parents actually sent him to Scotland. He told me that. He, yeah. he, he spent time in Edinburgh. Correct, yeah. correct. Yeah, yeah. That was it. Mm, yeah. And that's why uh, his English was so good. Well, I'm not so sure people would agree with that. If you go to Scotland, it's not really <laughs> the place to learn English, but still, <laughs> I believe you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you must miss him. I mean, I know I, I do, him. and I knew him reasonably well, but yeah, you must, obviously. I miss him a lot. Yeah. Yeah, he was a character, I have to say. Yeah. Um, very stubborn, but he was a character. He was uh, a piece of work. Uh, um, <laughs> he did a great job for you. Yes, I mean, yeah. uh, you know, I, I've always uh, had very clear in my mind that I wanted to play golf. 
and I didn't want to be bothered by other stuff. People like me. No, no, <laughs> other stuff. And uh, he took care of that uh, yeah. really, really well. Yeah. Um, you were never tempted then by the IMGs of the world? Or? Yeah, I was. I was. Yeah, yeah I was uh, approached uh, a couple of times. Um, and, uh, well, finally I decided not to. I wanted to be mm-hmm. uh, my own boss, mm-hmm. let's put it that way. Um, and uh, you know that's why I, I didn't I didn't uh, go with yeah I w- I've always made that always made sense to me if I'd been playing at your level I'd I'd wanted somebody working for me uh, and nobody else you know well no but the thing I'd is be selfish that, about it no know. but in those days I mean you have to uh, think that IMG was very strong mm. um, he controlled a lot of things uh, and you know he was. Uh, it was not all that easy no. at the end no, of the day. No, absolutely. So, I'm sure that you would hit a few brick walls yes, sometimes. Yes, correct. Yeah, yes, you, we you, did. You, you wouldn't be playing in tournaments that you might have been playing <laughs> had your agent been different. Correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know how that works. <laughs> yeah, but still, I mean, when you've turned pro, I mean, you, you barely broke stride. I mean, you you started to win yes. almost immediately. Yes, definitely. Did, did that surprise you? Yes, it did. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, one thing was winning the school at La Manga, mm-hmm. but, but another completely different thing was, you know, Playing uh, the tour, uh, playing against the top players, uh, you know the Sunday Lions, the Uzis, the mm. Langers, the Sevis, the mm. Aldos, uh, and so on. Yeah, it was pretty strong uh, at that yeah, time. Yeah, it was. It was very strong at that yeah. time. So I was a little surprised, I have to say. But um, yeah, um, the first uh, season, I started okay. You know, uh, didn't have all that many chances to win. But as as the season progressed. Uh, like middle of the season, from from the summer on, uh, I was close to to winning a couple of times. Um, I failed, and uh, the be- breakthrough came uh, in Switzerland, Grand Suisse. That's uh, where I won my first event, um, and yeah, everything went uh, quite smooth uh, from then on. Is there a kind of feeling of relief almost at that point where you say, "Oh, I'm good enough," you know? Uh, if I, you, you if break I did it, your record, might yeah. I be thinking I, I pretty much was, but you know, it's no, still, but you still have to do it. Uh, you still have to break that wall. Yeah. I mean, obviously, until you don't break that wall, you always have uh, second thoughts, doubts. Yeah. Um, you know, especially if you have an opportunity to to close a tournament and you fail, yeah. all of a sudden, you know, you start thinking, well, uh, am I good enough or not? So it's very important to to break that wall to mm-hmm. to win that first tournament, and then. And then have the feet on the ground. So it's not like, you know, you win the first tournament and that's it, you know. Uh, Here I am, you know. Uh, I prove uh, that I'm able to win and that's it. No, no, you have to keep on working really, really hard. Uh, One thing is to get to the top and one thing is staying on the top. So that is a a much difficult uh, equation. Yeah. How, how did you take to the travel involved in it? Because you're very much a home bird, I know. I mean, yes. You live in a wonderful part of the world, but well, it was you know, it, it was tough. Um, I get homesick, as you know. Uh, I love my family, but in those days, I have to say that um, the tour was different. Uh, there was a lot of camaraderie. We had, in those days, we had like 16, 16 to 18, depending on, on the tournaments, uh, Spanish players on, on the European so tour. something to have dinner with. Correct. Yeah. So, uh, and on top of that, the philosophy in those days was not like today. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used to go uh, um, early to the golf course, warm up, play a few holes, 
have lunch practice and we would be done by five o'clock in the afternoon, four thirty yeah. or so. Yeah. But in those <coughs> days nobody went to the gym. Nobody. <laughs> no. Uh, so uh, we used to stay in the same hotels or hire houses or whatever and used to play cards. And in that regard, it was not all that um, unpleasant or difficult yeah. mm-hmm. to to be away from home for, let's say, four or five weeks. Yeah, yeah. They would pass quite quickly. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, how much um, an influence did Sevi early in your career? I mean, when did you start? Well, really? I mean, you're always associated with him, but I mean, I can't imagine that... He was hanging around you at the no. beginning. I mean, he would see you as competition as well. Well, no. well, uh, I don't think so, uh, no? John. No. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you the story. The story goes that uh, I got a phone call uh, at home when I was uh, 17. And the lady at the other end of the line said, well, I'm, I'm Sevi's uh, secretary. <laughs> and... Uh, listen, uh, Sev is organizing an exhibition match in Pedreña, uh, and uh, he has thought of you so they can play, we can play a, a match uh, just for charity. And honest to God, I, I hung the phone down. You, you thought I, it was a joke? Uh, somebody's just trying to make a, a joke on me. Yeah, yeah. So I hung the yeah, phone. Yeah. So in a couple of days, <laughs> two or three days passed away. Yeah. And the next thing, okay, another phone call. I pick up the phone, uh, and this time it's it's Sevi. Right? It's Sevi. What are you doing? Hey, listen, this is Sevi yeah. speaking, and don't don't hang the phone. <laughs> okay. So uh, that was the first time uh, we played together. Actually, we played. Uh, it was winter time. Uh, it was a terrible day. It, it rained cats and dogs that day, uh, and we played together. It was uh, packed with people at Pedreña. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how uh, the relationship started. When I turned professional, uh, as soon as I turned professional, we played the Spanish uh, professional championship at Pedreña. And we played in the last group, the last day, and he was two shots ahead, playing 18. Short ahead part. of you. He was ahead of me, right. two shots, okay. and playing 18. Short part four. Yeah. Um, but the flag was tight on the left corner, short. A, a very tricky pin position. So I hit my second shot, uh, and I left it pin high right. And he hit his second shot straight over the flag, and he hit it, I don't know, like 12 feet past the hole. Uh, very slicky putt, really fast, yeah. uh, difficult. So I went and hold my putt, and... and he three-putted. He hit a lovely first putt, but the green was so fast that he yeah. passed. Yeah. He hit the ball. A bit like Muirfield Village. Yeah, correct. Like like <laughs> six feet past the Which ball. Which we'll get to that in a minute. Correct. Yeah. So he missed the putt, and we played the playoff, and he beat me the playoff. And uh, the prize giving was, was done and all that, and he approached me and said, uh, I want to talk to you in person. So he took me to a room, and I said, well, you know, I know you're not happy because you've lost in the playoff. But let me tell you that this is going to be great for you. You won't understand it Mm. now, but it's going to be better for you that you didn't beat me today. Right. A bit like him with Johnny Miller. Correct. Yeah. 
Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I didn't, I didn't understand at the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, yeah. I thought, what, what, what the yeah. hell are you talking yeah. about? Losing. You know, <laughs> you know I, I just lost. <laughs> yeah. How is it going to be great for me? Yeah. So, but you know, as years went by, I understood uh, what he meant. I mean, yeah. I would, it would have put so much pressure on me mm. every time yeah, yeah. Uh, I tee the ball up on, in a tournament that it would have been uh, um, not uh, a good thing for me. I'm interested. I mean, in my mind, you've just described one, but I, um, I don't remember too many times the two of you going at it head to head down the stretch. No, did well, very often, it, did it? No, it didn't happen yeah. very often. I remember yeah. we played a playoff uh, in uh, Berlin, mm-hmm. uh, the German Open, uh, Sevi, um, Ernie Els, and myself, mm-hmm. 18, playing a playoff, the three yeah. of us. Yeah. And uh, it was par four, tough par four. Uh, water on the right by by the edge of the green the flag was all the way back uh, and I have to say that he hit a fantastic bloody four iron you know about five feet from the hole and birdie the hole and, and beat the two of us yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah he, was, <laughs> he was a hard man to beat yeah he was he? yeah, yeah. He was. Um, the, the story goes I mean this is something I've heard a million times and I've never heard your version of it that um, Tiger going to play the first nine holes or nine holes at Augusta with you and Seve yes and just kind That's of watching true. the short game stuff yeah. and then he goes off to the range to practice yes. what he'd seen I mean the, yeah. the, he kept on describe that day if you well he was he was well, Sevi said to me, well, you know, Tiger wants to play with us. And uh, I said, yes, so we're going to play nine holes uh, with Tiger. I said, okay, perfect, fantastic. And uh, we played the nine holes. And from T to green, you know, normal stuff. Um, but obviously, we spend a lot of time uh, chipping around the greens, bunker shots, you know, all different types of yeah. chips, you know, yeah. bump and runs uh, with a sandwich, with a yeah. nine iron, and so on. And Tiger... <laughs> Tiger kept on, <laughs> kept on watching. Because he couldn't do the <laughs> stuff you were doing. <laughs> kept on watching us, you know, all the time. And he kept on asking questions and this and that. And it's true. That is true, yes. Yeah. Uh, he, he picked, uh, you know, as, as, as much as he could uh, to improve uh, his short game. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a bigger compliment than that, do you think? Well, not really. I mean, I think that that was fantastic. I mean, from my point of view, obviously, he was uh, um, he was ready to learn or trying to learn to improve his game and uh, you know if if a player like like tiger uh does that that means that uh, you know you're doing something right we we're doing correct we're doing something right yeah i mean uh, if, if you could try if Sevi if it was, was 10 out of 10 where were you short game short game yeah eight really yeah. i see i would go nine and a half well, yeah. eight i mean yeah. he he had he had a special hands, I have to say. Uh, I, I saw him hit shots uh, that I couldn't, uh, period, as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've been a, a good bunker player, uh, but funny enough, uh, there's an incident. We are uh, playing a PGA, the PGA in the States, and we went to the practice area. And we're chipping around the green, and he goes uh, to hit a few bunker shots. And after 15 minutes or, or so, he he came to us and says, uh, "Jose, could you have a look at it?" Sure, but you know, <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what you want me to say? You, yeah. you know. Okay. Well, just just watch. He hit a few bunker shots, and you know, let's say out of six shots, he left all six within three, four feet from the hole mm-hmm. and the other two almost went in. Yeah. 
uh, and I said, well, Sebi, I mean, what's wrong? I mean, those, you know, beautiful, you know, six, uh, yeah. six up and downs out of six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you see, when I hit the ball, when that ball hits the green, the ball spins to the right. I said, well, I mean, yeah. it's supposed to do so. I yeah. mean, if you're hitting a backer yeah. shot, you're going to cut it. No, no, if I do it properly, that ball should spin straight. Well, then, Sevi, uh, I cannot help you at all. <laughs> so, okay, okay. I went, you know, to my chipping, and after 20 minutes or so, he says, come back, have a look at it now. Mm-hmm. So I went there, and he was, you know, spot on. Mm-hmm. That ball spun straight all the time, and that's why he was so good. I mean, I, I didn't have that shot. I couldn't have that yeah. shot. My shot always uh, spun a little bit from left to right. And uh, Did he ever explain how he did it? Well, he, he explained to me, but I tried, but but yeah. I never reached that, that, that level. Yeah. No, no. I mean, I, I was his ghostwriter on instruction stories for a, a while when he was yeah, attached to Golf Digest. And we were doing a short game thing. It was in Florida somewhere, and it was from here to that door, which is maybe, you know, what, six, seven, eight yards, something like that, if that. And he was hitting, he hit, before we even started, he hit a little chip shot and it skipped once and it, and it came back a few inches from this distance. And I went, oh man, how did you do that? And he just smiled and he did it again and again. I mean, it was just, it was unbelievable. He could do things that no, I couldn't conceive of being able to do. You know? Yeah, that's, that's why I genius. Yeah, yeah he, was, he was a special around the greens. Yeah. Uh, his, his hands were unique. Uh, I know I remember another incident uh, we're actually playing the tournament uh, El Saler mm-hmm. the fourth part three into the wind he pulls the tee shot left left of the bunker and the flag is just three yards from the edge of the green just mm-hmm. next to the bunker so and the rough uh, it was severe mm-hmm. so we went there and we started to look uh, for the ball and I found the ball I said sorry is here and I saw how the ball was so he had a branch of a pine tree so he couldn't flop the shot he couldn't hit it up in the air and obviously he had only three yards uh, of green to stop the ball and you know I look at it and said there is no chance so I went to the green and (laughs) I'm talking to my caddy and I said listen I mean Seve is one of the best maybe the best around the greens but I tell you what if he hits this shot within six feet from the hole, yeah. I mean, I take my hat off to him. Mm-hmm. So he goes there, starts looking at the branch and this and that, takes the sandwich, and he hits, you know, just a little swing, soft. The ball came just underneath the branch. Mm-hmm. Ball pitched just over the bunker. Lands soft. The ball starts to roll, touches the hole about three inches from the hole. Yeah. So yeah. I said, that's I it, yeah. that's it. Yeah, it was a special, it was a special. Yeah. You, the, the pair of you have been famously an absolute nightmare to play against in the Ryder Cup. <laughs> I mean, you, you know what it's like in match play. The last thing you want to be playing against is the guy that's getting up and down from everywhere. And there's two of you doing it. You know, I mean, you must yeah. have had a wee smile to yourselves at yeah. some of the things you were doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, we've, we've won matches that... Us and the U.S. team players, we were all scratching our heads yeah, because we were all over the park. Yeah, you had no I business mean, winning. Uh, we were yeah. all over yeah. the park. Off the tee, you know, we were left, right, <laughs> you know. 
Uh, actually, sometimes we said, okay, I'll see you by the green. Mm. Okay, yeah. remember, just <laughs> keep on fighting, yeah. this and that. So uh, we it's true that, uh, you know, we were difficult to beat because of that. I mean, we, we never give anything away. We never gave up. Uh, saving that regard was amazing. Um, he would give 100% every time. Even though we were not hitting the ball well, he always told me, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, let's let's make par, let's force them to, to make a birdie to win the hole and see what happens. Yeah. When we were down, let's just, let's try to stay maybe one, two down. Mm -hmm. If if we're two down, we still have a chance, you know. All we need to do is just win one hole. They make a mistake. And, and all of a sudden, you know, the pressure is on them. So it was amazing. And uh, it's true that... Um, the short game uh, saved us a lot of times. Yeah, a lot of times. And and his imagination. I mean, he hit shots from the trees and, you know, that... Uh, I mean, I watched him uh, at um, the one you missed, uh, Oak Hill, yeah, in 95. Yeah. I don't know if you were yeah. watching. I watch it, I watch it. The first, the first nine holes of that match against Tom Lehman, I, I've, I've never seen anything like that before in my life or since. Yeah, and, the, and I think uh, the biggest credit uh, to him was uh, the article that uh, Tom Lehman wrote afterwards saying that he learned more in those nine, ten holes than he did in, yeah. in I don't know how many years. Yeah, I mean, there's a great yeah. story Bernard Gallagher tells about how he, he wandered up to Seve. They're coming up the tenth hole and Bernard appears and, and Seve's all smiles and, and Bernard says, Seve, why are you smiling? You're one down. Because I should be 10 down. <laughs> true, <laughs> I mean, true. it was, I've, as I say, I've never seen anything like yeah. it. I don't think anyone will, will ever no, see it. Not no, at that I level. I don't think so. I don't think you so. Know, I mean, it, it was, it, I mean, I've, I had, it was a great sadness to me how his game deteriorated. I don't yes. know how you fit I me. Mean, obviously, you would feel the same, but it, it was very difficult to watch. It was, it was hard and, to watch. I remember, we were playing, um, it was in Germany again. Uh, we were paired together and he got to a point well, I think it was the 11th or 12th uh, he got to a point where he, when he was standing on the tee I couldn't watch yeah. I mm. couldn't watch because I knew the ball was was going to go way wide mm -hmm. I mean it was, it was hard to watch but you know after uh all the things that uh, evolve after a few years. You have to think the brain tumor uh, has something to do with correct. it. Correct. Yeah. I, I want to believe that by then uh, the problem was there, even though uh, nobody knew about it. He always complained to me about having, you know, headaches, you know, yeah. after after a round, you know. Mm -hmm. he, he blamed it on, on how much he concentrated during the round and how much he had to to fight to save the round and all that. But, you know, when, when I look back at it, uh, you know, maybe he was already there. Yeah. I remember uh, one of the great regrets of uh, my life was I never got to play with him. We, we, my, I went to Pedrenia with a photographer to do the instruction stuff. We were there for a few days. And the morning after, or the day we were going to leave, we had time in the morning to play, and he was going to play with us. But it was blown an absolute gale when he decided to go and practice. And is it the 16th hole? There's a, a par three with a big bank around the green near uh, the end. 15. 15. 15. So we get to the tee on the 15 and we look up and there he is. He's practicing because it's sheltered. And he steps back to watch us, you know, hit up. And 
I've never felt so much pressure because the last thing I wanted to do was have Seve watch me chip. <laughs> so thank God I hit the green. You know, I could putt before I even chip it. No, no. <laughs> so you can imagine. But uh, yeah, I mean, he was, and he was, he was a hard guy to, to get to know, especially from the media side. But once he kind of knew who you were and he kind of trusted you. Somehow he, he created a shell or a, or a wall. Mm. Privacy for him was crucial. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you're a bit like that too. Yes, 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 yes but so. the demand on him was, was yes, huge. Yeah. And he always wanted to have, you know, time for himself. And that's why he was uh, sometimes uh, tough on media and, and, and people in general. But once uh, uh, you were in close courts, uh, if, if the group of people, you know, was like three or four and, and you know, it's a private dinner or whatever, mm-hmm. he was very relaxed and, and he was really open, uh, very much uh, down to earth, um, a humble guy, yeah. you know, humble beginnings. And he, enjoy, he enjoyed uh, the company, the, the conversations, the stories. Yeah. It was like, like two two different series. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've told this story before on here, so I can and I can tell it again because I've, I've seen the Sevi movie, which I'm sure you have as well, and the, you know, the fact that he, um, he liked the company of the ladies. <laughs> it w- was mentioned more than once, and I remember once I was, I was sitting in a restaurant, uh, people have listened to these podcasts, I've heard this before, but I look up and there's Sevi coming in, with a woman, not his wife, and he he sees me and he comes over and he says to me, "I'm not here." <laughs> Fine, I got the message, but I got a good interview out of it afterwards because he knew that he owed me one sort of thing. But yeah, he was he was a rogue in many ways, but he was a good natured one. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, correct. Yeah. yeah, you must miss him as well. I miss him a lot. Yes, I think he left us too soon. Mm. Um, I believe that uh, if he didn't have that illness. Um, he would have been. Yeah, I mean, fifty-four was correct. Age, yeah. He would have been enjoying golf and and enjoying the goodbyes uh, properly. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I remember the yeah. the Champions Challenge that they've just had at St Andrews yeah. here. Before we we're talking just before the Open um, in two thousand and ten, yeah, it he just he was very yeah, ill, but. Yeah. If he'd come, can you imagine the reception he would have got? You know, whether he played or not, just to stand on the tee would have been you know, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, I miss him a lot. And uh, as I said, I mean, he left us too soon, and I feel sorry for him to be to be honest. In the sense that, you know, uh, the last few years were were really tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were. Um, it was heartbreaking uh, to see uh, the progress. Uh, yeah, it's a slow thing. And my, Correct. And yeah. My best friend died of the same thing, and, it, and you've got to sit and watch. And, it, yeah. and and they know they're dying, but you know there's nothing they can do about it. Yeah, I remember um, watching the Open Championship at his home uh, when uh, Tambury, when Tom Watson almost won, mm-hmm. uh, and you know it was just short after a surgery, and mm-hmm. he was exercising. Uh, you know, all day long, and he kept on telling me, you know, I have to get stronger, I have to, you know, mm. get in shape to, I want to play again. Yeah. So, but unfortunately, obviously, we, we know how uh, how it ended up. Yeah. I'm not sure how religious a man you are, that's your own business, but um, there's very difficult <laughs> other ways to find to explain Medina. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's almost mystical, isn't it? Yes, it is. I mean, it, it's very hard to explain that. I mean, how many times a thing like that has happened um, and especially on 
how everything evolved on that Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, we were four points behind, uh, but all of a sudden, you know, we started to make parts from everywhere, mm-hmm. chips from everywhere. I mean, it was, there was no explanation to it. Everything that had to happen. Cor- it did. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> and, uh, you know, as you said, you know, I, I'm not a very religious man, I have to say, but, uh, you know, in moments like that, you have to think that mm. the presence, oh, absolutely, the presence uh, was there. I I knew that. I mean, when you see the reaction of some of the players, for instance, Justin Rose, you know, when he pointed at, at the sleeve mm. uh, with Sevis uh, silhouette in there, um, you know, it makes you think. And uh, well, it might be silly, but I want to believe that in a way. Uh, he was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's no other explanation. It certainly made no sense. In a, in a, I mean, you were not just 10 6 then, you were 10 4 yeah, down. Correct. Till Poulter, yeah. you know, did his thing. Correct. I mean, that's still. Yeah, it could, have been, it could have been over on Saturday, virtually. Oh, well, it was. I mean, if they yeah. if Poulter hadn't done that, yeah. it was over. I mean, correct. 10 6 is just about the limit. Yeah, yeah limit, correct. I totally agree. Yes. Yeah. What, what, what did you say to them all on Saturday night? Well, I mean, you know. I didn't have to say much, mm-hmm. to be honest. I think the uh, the atmosphere shifted uh, that Saturday afternoon with those uh, last two matches. Mm-hmm. Even though we were uh, losing by four, um, in that meeting, you could look at uh, the eyes of every single player in that room and there was a spark. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, well, I've, had, I've had guys in that team say to me that... that they felt better. They were further behind on Saturday night than they were on Friday night, but they, they, they felt they could Correct. win somehow. I mean, Correct. bizarrely. Correct. Yeah. They believed yeah. was there. They, they, they believed. They, they, all of a sudden, they thought, hey, if we've done that today, late in the afternoon, mm-hmm. I mean, we can still do something about this tomorrow. Yeah. And, uh, well, we had a, a, a normal conversation, and at the end, I told them to, you know, to play freely with no fear, yeah. to go for every shot, regardless of the outcome, uh, and to fight, to fight for every every shot, for every hole. And uh, you know, we we recall what happened in in '99. Uh, yeah, at Boston. I'm going to get to that in a minute. Uh, yeah. And uh, you know, uh, we said, you know, it was four points then. It's true that we we're playing away, mm-hmm. but you know, it is doable. Yeah. The, what was your kind of philosophy on captaincy and, and pairings and things? I mean, the, the, there's different ways of looking at you know foursomes and four balls and order of singles and. Well, what was your? I kind mean, of for foursomes, <clears throat> for foursomes, uh, my philosophy is that you need solid players, consistent players. I mean, not so much uh, you know a guy that makes a lot of birdies. Uh, that that's fantastic for four balls. Yeah. Uh, but for foursomes, you need solid players, you know, players that uh, you know they're going to hit fairways and greens because at the end of the day, uh, foursomes, uh, I think, is the toughest format uh, mm. in golf. Yes, no questions right. about that. Yeah. Uh, it's mm. very hard to get the rhythm. Especially if you're the guy not playing as well as the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's the philosophy behind pairings and all that. And then individual matches, uh, well, everything is dictated uh, on how the situation is. Well, the singles was always made easy for you. Yeah, correct. You know, I mean, yeah. I had no... You just had to go own. for it. Correct. Yeah, That's yeah. it. We had to go for it. We had to put all the players that were playing good uh, mm. uh, up front, yeah. trying to uh, gain as, as much points as soon as possible. Mm. 
And then maybe, you know, have a couple of guys at the end where, you know, you can rely on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, in that regard, my decision was, was quite uh, uh, easy. How do you look at the Ryder Cup? Um, you know, when you're from the outside, I mean, the, the, there are aspects of it that that I don't like. I think it's it's wonderful, you know, when it's close, especially. But there's, there's been yeah, things right. happened, and you've been you were at the centre of the most yeah. controversial one. There are, it, it's taken, you know, it's only a game of golf, you know, at the end of the day. But it's become something that it maybe shouldn't. I don't know. How do you feel about it? No, well, it's you know, it's a game at the end of the day. But yeah. I mean, there is a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> you like to win, I know. Uh, a lot of emotions and yeah. uh, a lot of uh, things that go um, uh, with that tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of pressure. Um, Is that the most pressure, even more than majors? It's different pressure, mm-hmm. uh, but there is a lot of a lot of it. Yeah, well, a lot. I can see that? Yeah, a lot. Of yeah. It. I can tell you that uh, you know when you stand on that first tee. Um, mm-hmm. Your hands are shaking. Yeah, okay. uh, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's even hard to to tee the ball up. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of pressure. You're not playing for yourself. Uh, you're playing for your teammates, mm-hmm. for your family, yeah. for your friends, for tour. for the tour, yes. for for a continent yeah. or a country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's so many things and and. What makes it so special is the atmosphere. There is no any other tournament in the world where you have whatever thirty thousand, fifty thousand people watching, uh, cheering for the same for the same group. Don't get me wrong; the 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 upside of it is fantastic. I mean, there's things have happened that just make me think. you know. Well, but you know, we're all humans. We have yeah. feelings, and yeah. and sometimes we do things that uh, yeah, I mean, we regret I afterwards. Mean, but Brookline '99, I have to say, you handled that in a way that I I would have been struggling to do. You were incredibly. Well, I, did, I, I didn't have many options. Did no, I? well, <laughs> I, I, I was not going to start. You know, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> hitting people. It could have got ugly. Yes, exactly. But I interviewed Ben Crenshaw years after it, and, and I and I said to him, you know, did you ever think about walking on the green and picking your ball up you know because of what happened and he and he kind of thought about it and he, he said that would have been a good thing to do that would have been a fantastic thing to do yeah I agree but yeah. but again at that time you have to remember that uh, the media slashed the US team I, mean, I was part of that yeah. ben, I'll tell you my Tom Lehman story in a minute Ben and all the players I mean on paper <clears throat> by far they were a much stronger oh, team, yeah. by far. And all of a sudden, you know, after two the days of competition, they were four points behind. So, I mean, pff, the media was so hard mm. on them. Yeah, or the American media. Yeah, 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 the American yeah, media. Yeah. Talking yeah. about the American yeah. media, the locals. Well, I, I thought yeah. you were talking about the, I gave the crowd no, no, the, no, incredible, no, I mean, no. I thought it was really ugly. No, no, I'm, I'm, yeah. talking, I'm talking about the, the local media. Right. I, I mean, they were... Crucifying, you know, every player in that team, being as captain, absolutely. I mean, and everything. All of a sudden, having the tournament pretty much lost, and having to listen to all the comments and all that. All of a sudden, you have a window, a moment where you are envisioning a possible victory. Yeah. And when that happens, obviously. You yeah. just yeah. let it go, yeah. and, and I understand the reaction. Yeah. I, I have to say that at the, at the time, um, it hurt. Uh, but as time went by, 
I I understood what happened. I mean, uh, most probably, <clears throat> us Europeans we would have uh, we would have done the same thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, I have to say, I wrote a column that night for an American magazine, Golf World, which is no longer with us. But um, and I kind of singled out Tom Lehman. He was the kind of first guy on the yeah. green. And two weeks later, um, at the Dunhill Cup at St Andrews, he was there, and I'm walking along the back of the range, and he calls me over. You know, I want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> so he takes me out in the middle of the range, and he starts giving me the yeah. finger in the okay. chest. He says, how dare you? He says, how dare you sum up my whole character on the basis of one incident? To which I responded, I says, well, how dare you sum up my opinion of you on the basis of one column? I said, I've written a, a number of positive things about you, before this, Tom, and, and you've never come to thank me. I, I don't think this is very fair. To which he gave a two-word answer, I can, you can imagine, <laughs> and stormed off. We've since made up, I hasten to add, and, and we've uh, come to... to okay, yeah. all right, good. It's, it's all good, good. With, with Tom, right. in fact, more than that. Um, but um, at the time, he wasn't happy with me, I can tell you. <laughs> but uh, that's the kind of emotions that it provoked. Yes, know? I mean, that's, yeah. that's the Ryder Cup. Uh, the emotions are so high. Mm. I mean, and the, and I have to say that uh, I followed Monty for nine holes, the first nine holes of his single, yeah. and it was disgraceful. Yeah, what would the crowd? Yeah, that was you know. especially especially with with a Monty that week. Mm. They were awful, yeah. awful. Yeah, and he was your best player at the time. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. But everybody was having a, a shot at at him, and it yeah. was he was awful. Mm. It was awful. Yeah, I have to say, just my last Ryder Cup thing. Um, I always admired the fact that you, you stepped up um, when Nick Faldo was captain and, and stepped into the breach, if you like, and kind of filled the hole as, as assistant. I mean, what, what was your motivation there and, and what was that like? Well, Because he, he was slaughtered. Yes, you know, he was he, slaughtered, uh, yes, uh, that is true. But, uh, well, when he first uh, came to me and, and approached me and asked me about uh, the possibility of being a vice-captain, well, I did it. I did it because it's the Ryder Cup. I think it's, it's you know, as I said, it's a, a very unique event, very special in my heart, uh, wonderful memories. Uh, and, and I did it because of that. Uh, but uh, it was a tough week. Um, but that's the only reason I did it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, being the Ryder Cup, being an European player. Um, it was an obligation. Uh, correct. In a way, yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, well, moving off the Ryder Cup finally, uh, your health, um, famously, um, you missed the, you know almost two years of, of golf. Obviously, I mean, I can only imagine what that must have been like. I mean, we were all you know trying to get hold of you and find out what was going on and all the rest of it, but you kept it you know pretty much under wraps for a long time. You yes. know the problems you were having and the yeah. extent of the problems. Yeah. Um, you must have been fearful for not only your career but your quality of life yes. at one point yes it was uh, it was tough times I have to say very difficult times um, uh, you start thinking about the future um, what type of life you're going to have uh, I mean, you couldn't walk, you for, couldn't walk for, forget about uh, quitting yeah. uh, forget about playing golf it was just the, the quality of life uh, I couldn't walk at all Um you know, and when you spend a year, almost two years, laying down on a couch or mm. because you cannot walk, you cannot go even, you know, to the toilet, yeah. uh, you have to crawl. Yeah. Uh, it's so uh, painful. Uh, there were difficult times, yeah, where uh, anxiety kicked in, couldn't sleep. Um, uh, 
was it worth it uh, to keep on living? Well, I mean, you know, mm. I couldn't do much, period, uh, at that time, you know. Uh, does it, does it, I mean, it's an old cliche. Does it make you stronger, that kind of thing? Did it change you as a person? Well, I don't know if it makes you stronger, but it makes you appreciate uh, what you have in life. Mm. Uh, no questions about that. Yeah. I remember uh, when I first started uh, walking again and, and, and hitting a few balls and uh, hitting a few shots. Uh, as you can imagine, the ball was going all over the park. Yes. <laughs> but uh, I still had a smile in my face. Mm -hmm. I woke up in the mornings and, mm -hmm. you know, I stood on my feet mm -hmm. uh, and all of a sudden, you know, it's no pain. So I open the window, uh, you look at the skies, blue skies, mm -hmm. gray skies, yeah. it didn't matter. It was a lovely day. Mm -hmm. Were you a good patient? What, I th what would I th your mother say? I, th I think I was. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. I was. Yeah. yeah, It's very, very important, the support of uh, your close ones. Mm -hmm. That could be parents, uh, you know, wives or whatever, but... Uh, because they would see you in a state correct. that nobody else... I, it was yeah. tough for everybody. Of course. It was tough for everybody. I mean, watching uh, my parents uh, look at me when I couldn't walk, uh, trying to help me, um, you know, it was tough. Uh, I don't wish that uh, to anybody. No, no. Um, you, you've always been, a, you know... Uh, openly emotional, shall mm -hmm. we say? Yes, uh, good and bad. The, um, that must mean after all that that master's victory, the second one must. It was. Know. It was. I've always uh, say this and 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 tell this to to friends and to everybody that asks me about it. I really enjoyed the second master's mm -hmm. immensely. Yeah, yeah. Much more than the first one. Mm -hmm. The first one was more a sense of uh, relief. Um, you know, I had no issues whatsoever. I, I was, you know, I yeah. practiced hard, worked hard. Uh, you believe that, you know, you're going to have a chance maybe sooner or later of winning a major event. Mm. I had a chance in 91 when Woozy won. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, even though I, I didn't win the tournament, I was happy because I, I I said to myself, well, at least I proved to myself that I I gave myself a chance of winning a major event. Yeah. So when that thing happened in '94, I remember knocking the last putt in, uh, grabbing the ball uh, and closing the eyes, and thinking to myself, I did it. Mm -hmm. But it was a, a sense of relief. In '99, it was just the opposite. I really enjoyed it, every bit of it. Uh, every walk uh, I was more aware of the crowds the lights the colors mm -hmm. of the flowers uh, you made sure to take it all in sort of thing. yes correct yeah. correct mm -hmm. in, as, in 94 I was so focused on on what I had to do yeah. I blanked yeah. everything else mm -hmm. and in in 99 it was just the opposite I enjoyed as I said you know that last day I really enjoyed well, it. Uh, every you every bit. one of the great players as well yeah. to win it. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. wasn't as if he were you know he ran off with it. No, no, no. No, <laughs> yeah. no, no. It was it was tight. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think um, for a period there that the Europeans did so well, at Augusta? 
in particular? Is it just because well, you were the best players? But there's got to be more to it than that because you didn't dominate in the other majors quite the same way. No, mainly because of the type of golf course. Mm. Uh, if you compare uh, Augusta National with uh, the US Open, mm. for instance, uh, the PGA. Uh, the heat, yeah. the heat. In I can those imagine days. those two were you really right yeah. up your alley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and you know, they're completely different golf courses. You have to obviously, if you're a good player, you have to adapt to those uh, elements. Uh, at least you have to try. But Augusta had uh, open fairways, even in those days. Even if you miss the fairways, if, if you went to the pine needles, you could still find a gap. Mm-hmm. you know, where you could find a way to hit the ball onto the green. And, of course, uh, short game. Uh, that was crucial. I think Augusta National has changed through the years since they started lengthening the golf course and tightening. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the it's a different game there. Is, it? Now it's a premium on driving. Yeah. As as it is on short game, mm-hmm. but now you need to have the whole, yeah. the whole package. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you're not going to win over there. Yeah. You need to be good off the tee, and you need to have a good short game. But in those days, uh, I think Augusta um, adapted very well uh, to us Europeans. Do you think? Do you like the way the game has gone? You, you brought up the distance thing there. I mean, I, I bang on about this endlessly because I think that <laughs> something needs to be done about it. I don't like the way it's become you know, a bit more one-dimensional. Uh, guys like yourself and Seve wouldn't prosper quite the same way playing this game. I don't. You know, you'd do well, but you, you wouldn't... You'd yeah, well, you know, but... You, you would struggle in certain aspects of it. it yeah, but at the same time, I mean, that is evolution. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty but sure... But we're going to run out of room at some point. Sure, sure. I'm pretty sure that uh, they will get to a point where they will limit uh, that, but I think we're pretty much over there already. I, th- I don't think we can. In- too late. Well, I, I don't think we can. Uh, well, in- technology can sure technology can go even further, but but with the limitations that we have at the moment, I don't think we can see. We will see um, more distance gain in the near future. Mm. Uh, that will depend on how strong and, uh, yeah. and the players are. They're getting bigger. Correct. Yeah. They're getting bigger. That's, there is no questions about that. But at the same time, you know, when in the mid-80s, when I started playing professional, if you look back, uh, you know, 20 or 30 years before that, there was an evolution mm. in that regard. So that's what happened. Nowadays, Obviously, as you say, we're going, we might run out of uh, space, but I'm pretty sure that uh, sooner or later we will get a, a right balance. Hopefully, it's still, you still need to chip and putt well. Well, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I share quite your optimism, but yeah, I'm glad to hear that you think that. So, um, um, just to, to, to finish up, um, we inevitably have to talk about what's going on in the world of golf at the moment. Um, what's your feeling on on what you're 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 looking at it from slightly from a distance? You're on the senior tour now, which is a little bit detached. Yeah. Well, um, I think we're we're going to leave. Uh, uh, tough times uh, in the next uh, year and a half, two years, until everything is clear and uh, settled. Uh, how is settled that will define uh, the future of all three tours, uh, PGA, LEAF, and, and uh, DP Tour? So until then, well, we might see one thing 
one day we might see another thing another day. But, uh, I mean... What would you like to see? If I put you in charge, you're Mr. Golf, what would you do? What would I do? Good question. Uh, whatever is beneficial for the game of golf. I'm, I'm not, I don't know if it's if well, I, I'm I, clever. I'm with, I'm with you. I don't see anybody doing that right now. Correct. Yeah. Uh, I think at the end of the day, we have to um, protect and save the game of golf. Uh, and that's, from my point of view, that's the most important part. Um, how do you get there? Uh, I don't have a crystal ball. They've got to start talking. Uh, but uh, sooner or later, you will have to um, sit down, talk, and see if they can find a way where everybody gains, and most importantly, the game of golf. Because at the end of the day, what I love about the game of golf is... First of all, obviously, what gives uh, to us, no questions about that, but what it gives also to society. I mean, I'm really impressed when, you know, when you go to the States and you see, you know, all the money raised for charities and helping kids uh, in need, uh, studies, uh, illnesses, hospitals, things like that, how how uh, golf... Um, benefits communities and i think you know that's one of the most important parts uh, that uh, this wonderful game has been able to provide to society um, and at the end of the day i think that's that's what we have to look for I mean, my hope is that, that, that we'll end up with something better that, at the end of it well if yeah. that is the case fantastic mm -hmm. uh, it would be a, a shame to see you know clashes between you know different tours the live tour players you know it, it can get it can get ugly it there's going to have ugly. to be some compromise though if, they, if they're sure. going to come together i mean you and i talked about this earlier that um you know there's going yeah. to be people unhappy that that didn't go and earn the four million or whatever they've earned in the last two All three right. weeks and suddenly they're if they're allowed back in guys are going to go well if i'd known that i would have gone too Correct. You know, there's going to be... It's true. I mean, I don't think you're going to have everybody happy. That's no. for sure. No. But uh, at the end of the day, I think uh, whatever is best for golf, if if they can achieve that, that would be great. Be mm -hmm. Because otherwise, uh, I don't think we're going to uh, like what we're going to see. My last question was, um, you, you again, you're, you're famously hailed as the the one professional golfer who was wasn't driven by money to quite the same extent wow. how much truth is in that or are you have you secreted this away in a bank account in switzerland somewhere <laughs> no, <laughs> no well at the end of the day i have to say that you know i did well i yeah. i've earned a good living i didn't have the need of you know uh, cashing in uh, and as i said before um I play the game of golf for the challenge and trying to prove myself that I was good enough to compete against the best. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what uh, drives me uh, my whole uh, life, my whole career. Try to put myself in, in those situations and, and to know uh, how successful um, I was. 
money is important. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all know that. Yeah. But it was not the thing that uh, drove me uh, through my career. Uh, it's true, as I said, that I earned a good living and I didn't have uh, that urge or that need in that regard. Yeah. The very last question is, you must have been able to do some nice things for your family, though, yeah. that they wouldn't have been able to do normally. Any examples of that? Well, obviously, uh, I I told my parents that they were, obviously, they didn't need to keep on working. Uh, they work uh, their lives uh, really hard uh, from the very beginning, uh, and I convinced them uh, uh, to stop working. I helped my, my sister, uh, you know, have a nephew and a niece, uh, you know, I help them pay their studies and things like that. Well, so I, you know, uh, in that regard, uh, you know, you need money up to a certain degree, depending on what type of life uh, yeah, yeah. you live. When, what age were your parents when they stopped working? Uh, that was uh, quite a while ago. Uh, my mom must have been, it must have been, what, uh, 20 years ago, 25 years ago? Yeah, something that like that. That must have been a great feeling. Yes, I mean, yeah. for you, for me, yeah. for me, it was and for them because, as well, obviously. Because, yeah. uh, I I knew how hard uh, they worked. Uh, we were very, very humble. Uh, they really need to needed to work really extra hours, and you know, uh, to have, you know, we didn't struggle, uh, mm-hmm. but but we we didn't have the chance to, you know, uh, go holidays or yeah. Yeah. go for dinner away and mm-hmm. things like that. So. Um, I saw them working really, really hard for many, many years, and uh, uh, that made the day I convinced them to stop working. It was one of the happiest days of my life. Mm-hmm. It's not easy because they'd be used to it. Yes, you know? I know. And they'd be thinking, "What am I going to do with myself?" But funny enough, you know, funny enough, my my father was uh, the hardest to convince. Mm. But after five or six years, he said... <laughs> he came round to your way of thinking. Said, thank you very much. I should have done it before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. <laughs> on that note, Jose, thank you for your time. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And thanks for your appearance on The Thing About Golf. Thank you very much, John. Okay. What a player, what a legacy, and what an interview there from John Huggan with one of the best of his generation. If you look up class in the dictionary, you just might find a picture of Jose Maria Alathabal. Now, speaking of our man in Europe, I hope you're enjoying Huggy's dulcet tones because he's been what can only be described as on fire this past couple of weeks. Huggy's rounded up a couple of interviews which are quite timely given goings-on in the world of golf, and that means that we'll be hearing from him back-to-back when he catches up with one of the game's most interesting players on our next. And this is something that, that is a feature of Live Golf. You know, you've got a, a, a quite a significant more minority really who have come from a very small well two management companies i mean you know i think there's an element of group thing going on here and ironically the criticisms are all the same whether it's of keith pelly or yes. the got the tours and i think well how original are those thoughts you're all saying the same thing i don't know why you're saying those things especially as it relates to a couple because a couple of the players have benefited enormously in different ways from the tours whether it be through the pandemic or over the years and i, and I don't respect that opinion i don't respect their opinions of keith or the tour that's eddie pepperell talking all things golf and live golf next time on the thing about golf